Just real quick before we get going, if you don't mind taking 30 to 45 seconds dropping a little rating and a review on your favorite podcast listening platform, that would be super, super helpful and I really appreciate it. Now, on with the show. I drive zero RB in Dynasty, pass up a young receiver, nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in to the... Dynasty Debates, Episode 7, The Best Kept Secret in Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, Evan Brown, as always, the humblest host. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can also follow the show at Dynasty Debates. It's just that easy. Without further ado, I'm jumping straight into introducing the guest because, as you probably expect by now... It is an awesome guest, and I am super excited to have the Sultan of Spreadsheets, the Ambassador of Analytics, the man, the myth, the legend, Peter Howard, joining me today at Paul Howdy on Twitter, host of the Dynasty Crossroads at Dino Crossroads, and senior writer at DLF. Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to drop in. How the heck are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. I think this might be the most organized podcast request i've had like uh, you asked me to come on and i've basically had weekly reminders so i've been looking forward to it man uh really- <laughs> yeah of course man no i'm really really excited to have you on i have listened to your podcast for a while really enjoy your take your thought process behind dynasty fantasy football always makes me sort of reconsider my own stances on things but um yeah how was your how was your week seven in fantasy football ah crap i actually updated my league sheet for you um let me because I saw that was coming. Um, let me put it to you, say it's all going according to plan in that uh, most of my leagues, I suck. I've decided my team suck, so I am losing most of them, but I'm meant <laughs> to be losing at this point. Like last couple of weeks, I've been trying to actively look more for next year because they just the teams just didn't have it. Um, and in the one league that I'm actually kind of trying to push to win, I won. So yeah, it's going according to plan in that I'm. if you look at the average, I'm like, uh, what is it? I'm two and five, but in the one league that I'm not, I, I'm winning, so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the beauty of Dynasty, isn't it? Even when you're losing, you're winning, so you can always look forward to next year and having a better draft pick. <laughs> yeah, it feels awkward, you know. You spend all this time talking about Dynasty, and you get this, that, and the other right. Uh, right. And I was talking about it with my Discord chat, and also with Zach on the podcast this week. It's like this this year in particular, I got a lot of stuff high-end stuff right like if you've got them on your teams they're 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 huge um for your your so far winning record if you like but uh, at the same time i'm looking at my leagues and like am i a fraud because i got all that <laughs> and i suck and and so we spent a lot of time talking about zach it's like zach what's going on should i quit and um i know so like you say in dynasty you win even when you're losing it's just I, yeah, I didn't get quite what I wanted done, but I feel pretty good with my guesses at what would happen this season. It's really frustrating, but uh, you know, you take what you can get, and luckily, I'm here for fun, not finance, so I'm all right. 
And you know, it's really funny actually, because I meant to say to you, um, I was thinking about this before you came on the show that we're basically the exact opposites. We're like the yin and yang of fantasy because like you originally are from England and then you ended up in the States and I am originally from the States, but I've lived most of my adult life in Northern Ireland. Um, you're really smart and I am a complete hatchet man. Um, you understand analytics really well and I probably couldn't spell analytics. So yeah, it's really awesome. It's great to see the, uh, the two opposite sides of the spectrum here that's an interesting way of looking at it i didn't even think about it that way um i would say i got questions for you that have got nothing to do with fantasy football right now like people keep calling me smart in the fantasy space and i'm like i promise you go talk to the people i was in school with like i'm 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 like team average okay (laughs) all right and uh i think it's partly the accent when you're speaking mostly americans and they hear an english accent for some reason there's some well mainly because the only people that escape england to american fame are like the top five percent and so they think you're either really talented or really smart like no we got morons too i'm one of them it's good and i'm wondering if there's like um you sound very uh irish to me now by the way your accent is very much uh, has homogenized mine's still a weird myth they know i'm not from here but when they speak i'm wondering if there was any similar thing like here you speak in an english accent they assume some sort of you're refined i'm like no no i'm not refined you're smart nope nope not that either yeah like i've been here long enough now where i think like when i speak to locals and stuff they just are a bit confused they're like you're not from here but where are you from uh uh, whereas when I speak to Americans, they just think that I'm from Ireland because obviously I've lived here for quite a while. So I do have a bit of the twang, you know, probably lived here you know, since I was about 21. I talk to people from back home. They're like, you sound weird. Yeah, hello, there you go. The yin and yang. Like I said, exact opposites. We have awful lot to get through here right before I get into the main part of the pod. Just a reminder, we got past the apocalypse, So congrats to everyone. Um, I actually, I am amazed. I finished, I'm in 15 leagues in total. And I finished 14 and one this week. So somehow I almost got the clean sweep in the bi-apocalypse. And I don't know what that means, but I'll take it. Um, We have two teams on by this week, the Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders. So make sure and get them out of your lineups. Moving right into the newest segment. An honorable hatchet man does not lie. A hatchet man. Ground up behind him with a hatchet. Smash, smash, smash. Anyone can carry a hatchet. Even a liar. Um, Peter, I know that you probably don't use this term. This is a term that I'm on a I'm on a, a mission to bring to the people. Hatchet man, they need to use this. They need to embrace it. It is a perfect, beautiful, one size fits all, uh, friendly enough insult. And this week, my hatchet man of the week is the one and only Sam Darnold. Now, first and foremost, I'm I'm offended because I. I try to be forgiving. I try to give second chances. I fully embraced Sam Darnold after his first couple of weeks of the season. I even gave him a new nickname. I was calling him Konami Sammy with his running <laughs> and his getting into the end zone. And uh, he has just turned around and spit in my face. He has completely <laughs> crashed back to earth. And after his hot start, he's been playing so bad that he managed to get himself benched for past XFL star PJ Walker against the 27th ranked Giants defense. He actually threw the ball off of one of his own linemen's heads and got a safety. It was that bad. I mean, it just, I literally, I can't even keep going because I actually like him as a person. I wish him well, but I'm very disappointed. Konami Sammy, I'm, I'm, I'm stripping your title from you. You're no longer (laughs) Konami Sammy. You're just Sam Darnold. Now you're dead to me. 
that's it. But I wish you all the best. Um, Peter, do you have a, a hatchet man of the week you want to rant about? Anybody that tanked your squads? God, no. Um, Patrick Mahomes, can I hatch him? <laughs> I literally got minus <laughs> hatch man. from Patrick Mahomes this week. Um, I wouldn't say, probably not, because, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a slightly different thing than Sam Donald. Like, you, Patrick Mahomes is almost allowed to kick you in the nuts at this point. It's like, yeah, I've had, yeah, it's fair. <laughs> After two years yeah. of 30 point games, you probably deserve to kick me in the nuts now and again. Um, but he did it to me last year as well in the Scott Fishbowl. For some reason, I've drafted 101 twice and um, took him both times. And uh, last year, like, yeah, it's him and uh, Kyla Murray, actually, um, both had their one down game the first, like, uh, sudden death week in Scott Fishbowl. And I was like, crap, <laughs> I was out. <laughs> and uh, Patrick Mahomes this year, and I had Joe Burrow, and he actually had a good week. So that's good. But um, yeah, I guess twice in a row—that's that's a little much, Miss Mahomes. But yeah, that's like, yeah. Come on, man. get get it together. <laughs> get it together. But um... mostly, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for all the thirty-point games. But last week, ouch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spilling the tea. So going back to last Thursday night, um, Baker Mayfield did miss, as we kind of thought he might, through a shoulder injury, and Case Keenum stepped in, and there wasn't a huge downgrade in my opinion. <laughs> um, no shade against Baker, but yeah, it looks like, I, I see, from what I can see at the moment, there seems to be mixed reports. Sounds like he could potentially miss some more time. Sounds like a pretty serious shoulder injury, a labrum tear that will eventually potentially need surgery, so it's fairly concerning. Um but yeah, we don't know anything definitive as far as, you know, whether he will or won't. He is a pretty tough dude. Donovan, Donovan Peoples-Jones also suffered a groin strain, apparently, in the warm-ups. He missed the game, could be out for a couple of weeks, but it doesn't seem to be anything too serious. Um, but I mean, I don't like straining, straining my groin, so I don't know. I mean, it just depends on the guy, I suppose. Uh, Miles Sanders... Darn him went down to an ankle sprain. Thankfully, it does seem to just be an ankle sprain, nothing more serious. He's actually considered day to day, could potentially even be back this week. So I don't expect him to miss much time. On to a little bit better news Michael Gallup has been designated to return from IR. So hopefully, he's in that 21 day window now where he can be activated to the 53 man roster. Nick Chubb is believed to return this week, potentially, so that's more good news after all the devastating bad news that we've had. Uh, what else? Oh, Des Deshaun Watson, <laughs> this guy, this freaking guy. Um, trade talks intensifying, apparently, according to rumors. I don't know whether it's true or false, but it'll be something to keep an eye on. Uh, Zach Wilson got injured on Sunday, unfortunately. He's been injuring all our fantasy squads all season, but now he himself is injured. Uh, he's expected to miss about two to four weeks with, I believe it's a PCL uh, strain or injury of some sort, but it's not anything too serious, too long-term. But again, uh, they did, looks like the Jets have just traded for Flacco. So I'm not sure what you want to read into that. Um, and then lastly, Darren Waller did miss um, Sunday's game with an ankle injury, but I don't believe it's too serious. I don't have anything definitive yet, um, but it was right up until game time before he was finally ruled out. So hopefully it's nothing too serious. So that's the news and notes from what I can see here. So anything that jumps out to you there, Peter, anything you want to talk about or any sort of impact that you can see that would jump off the page to you for Dynasty squads? Yeah, obviously the biggest impact is that uh, it made me look stupid in my article last week because I was talking about how Darren Waller <laughs> was going to bounce back. He's still got the – he's got – there are two – 
on average, there are two tight ends that have difference-making opportunity or difference-making fantasy points in that they make enough, they have a large role in your flex decisions because you can honestly start them above wide receiver and running back most weeks. Um, this year, we're actually getting two, and sometimes it's zero, sometimes it's one, it averages out to about two. Um, and anyway, lo- really, really boring, long nerd story short. Uh, Darren Waller is actually number two. It looks like Mike, Mark Evans, Andrews, Mark Andrews, that's the name. Uh, but it's actually, uh, Waller and, uh, Andrews, despite being a really good tight end and a guy who can provide you those weeks, actually outkicked his coverage the last few weeks. And that's what was going on there. So I was like, it's Darren Waller bounce back week. And then, uh, yeah, that. So that's my biggest takeaway. Also, um, Foster Maru is actually, I think, in my opinion, a pretty decent player. Um, I had him on a few squads places back from when we didn't know if Waller was going to do what he did. And I still haven't, so you know I'm going to pretend I saw it coming. And whether the offense is going to funnel through the tight end without Darren Waller, I don't know. But Foster Maroon might well be usable as long as Waller's injured. I, I do wanted to, I wanted to just check real quick on your thoughts on... Do you have any sort of insight or thoughts or opinions on the Deshaun Watson stuff? Because it's just been such a weird roller coaster all, all season. Yes, I do actually, but it's, um, I would have said no last week, but I spent a long time thinking about it this week. And my opinion is I just wake me up when something happens. Like this happens every year for some players. And I don't actually, like I would have said last week, I just would have said no. I mean, I don't care. But I think this is actually something we can incorporate in that. Like this happens all the time and people are trying to get an edge by trading for Deshaun Watson now or trading him away now. And I think, honestly, yeah. it's not just to like, wake me up when something happens. And we can't anymore. There's no such thing as a good sleeper because everyone knows freaking everything. And <laughs> there's so much, so many podcasts and public information that I think the best edge is to go, you know, if something happens, I'll make it, I'll make a decision. But until then, this is just all noise. Like, there's yeah. as much chance he doesn't no, play I like, again. Yeah, I like that. I like that take because in Dynasty, it's so different than redrafting that you're sort of stuck with your decisions. So if you jump, you know, if you jump the gun and decide that, you know, you know that you know Watson's going to get traded to Miami, and therefore, you know, you go all in on acquiring him, and then he doesn't, and he sits the rest of the season, and then he gets ends up getting traded to like you know the Jets or something next year. Then it's like you've right. kind of shot yourself in the foot because you gave up two firsts and and to a and something else to get him so yeah absolutely i kind of agree with you on that one i'm sort of in that in that boat as well employee of the week real quick recap of last week i know you talked about um you were being you were feeling aggrieved with uh darren waller due to injury and this is exactly how i feel with miles sanders because last week my um my studs are us employee of the week was miles sanders and the reasons being was you know playing playing against the Raiders, having the poor run defense, and he started to out-snap Kenneth Gainwell, et cetera, et cetera. Sadly, uh, he got injured at the end of the first quarter. So he, he did have six rushing attempts for 30 yards before his exit, and he was looking pretty good. So, um, you know, I, I, I like to believe that, you know, it was going to be a smash and he was going to be, you know, top 12. And that's how I that's how I tell myself, you know, that's what I tell myself to sleep at night. Um, and my bus mart employee of the week was Devonta Booker. And again, 
as I've mentioned, when I talk about the bus mark section, I'm not saying you can't start someone and not saying any, when anytime you're talking about a running back, there's always the possibility they fall into the end zone. And that is exactly what happened with Devonta Booker. He fell into the end zone and ended up with 14.6 points, which is not a fantastic week. It was RB 17 on the week, but if he hadn't fallen in the end zone, he was 14 attempts for 51 yards, 3.6 yards or per attempt. So I feel pretty good. I feel like I got the process right. Um, and again, it wasn't like he was a smash play. He was fine because he fell in the end zone, but you just never know that can happen. As the guest, why don't you take it away here for me? Who's your bus smart nominee for week eight? So somebody that you think people you know, might be excited to start or they might be expecting to just plug in, but you're thinking, hey, let's pump the brakes here. Let's not get too excited or carried away here. They could only get us 10 to 12 points. Yeah, um, inside baseball, like I was telling you before the show, like I'm a little behind. Data comes out late, and I'm about to start writing literally a column about this subject. So just like opinions due to change, just saying, just quickly looking through. <laughs> I was just looking for a startable player people might be excited about, and one is Christian Kirk. He's been doing pretty well this season compared to even his career arc. Currently inside the top 24, I think. Um, Monday's game notwithstanding at wide receiver. This week they go against, who is it? it I think it's Green Bay, isn't it? Arizona. Yes, the Packers on Thursday night. Yeah, um, and just a cursory glance. Um, like my Vegas model put him back inside the top 20 at wide receiver, which makes him a really good flex and a decent wide receiver too for your team. And he's been doing really well. And he had a good game last week. And so that's what highlighted him for me in the startable category. And the thing is, they're going up against Green Bay, like they've allowed top 12 seasons, but it's mostly been to the dominant alphas. Like, I'm not worried about DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but they have faced teams with two very good wide receivers before now. And they've ten so far been limiting that wide receiver too. Now, that's not breaking them down by role because they haven't got down into the research that far. But they've only allowed three top 12 wide receiver weeks. And so... I think he might be less startable going up against Arizona. And I imagine the game total is actually pretty good in a matchup like that, which might make people more tempted to start him. I wouldn't be scared of it. Like he's doing well. He's in a good matchup. Yeah. The the team total is like 28 points. And I, I'm just a little worried that green Bay has been limiting wide receiver production, maybe more than it looks overall. Does that count? Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good shot. My nomination for bust smart is Corey Davis. Now, obviously we talked about Zach Wilson going down to injury and that is a big part of it. Zach Wilson's not been playing well, but Corey Davis has been getting regular targets, does seem to be the focal point of the offense at the moment on and the wide receiver core. So he's going to be playing with a backup, whether it is going to be, um, <laughs> elite um joe flacco or not we don't know i would be surprised but either way they're going up against the Bengals, who have taken a massive step forward on their defense this year they're actually a top five defense against quarterbacks for fantasy so if it's going to be flacco or the backup um i i'm not that's not a good thing i'm not excited about that and they're actually 11th against wide receivers as well so Corey Davis, I mean, again, depending on your situation, your injuries and stuff, you may need to flex, you may need to flex him anyways, but I certainly wouldn't be expecting or counting on a smash week from Corey Davis. We've talked about the bad, the sad, and the ugly. What about the good stuff? The studs are us. What do you got for us? Who's the uh, the magic eight ball telling us is going to be a top 24 play this week, even though people might be a little bit down on them? Uh, Darrell Henderson last week was a little disappointing given that he's been producing basically top 12 PPR points or even top eight PPR points for the majority of the season since uh, since the team really took off with Cam Akers' injury. And I think 
Last week is a little disappointing. Looks like he got around 9-10, depending on your scoring system. And that's going to bounce back just because he's got that overall top 12 workload. So my mine actually was going to be Samaj Pirine, um, but I have actually pivoted because I've heard that Jerry Judy is definitely supposed to play this week. And sometimes people can be a little bit nervous about plugging someone in right off of injury. But the reasons I am feeling confident is because apparently, according to reports, he was actually um, could have gone on Thursday night. Um, they they could have put him in the lineup, but they wanted to just be extra 100% sure. So they held him out um, to make sure he was 100% ready to go this week. So that gives me a little bit more confidence. On top of that, the Broncos have been pretty atrocious offensively over the last couple of weeks. They really need to get a win. And the icing on the cake is the defense they're going up against. The Washington team, Washington football team's defense has been awful um, against the wide receivers against quarterbacks. They're just allowing points left, right, and center. They're actually 32nd against pass, allowing just over 300 yards per game, allowing roughly 29 fantasy points per game to the wide receiver position. So I, and right now, um, I just looked on fantasy pros there before the, before the show and they, the expert consensus ranking has them at about wide receiver 35. So maybe a flex consideration, but I, I feel like he could easily finish in the top 24 just based on how much they need him and um, and the kind of rapport that him and um, Teddy Two Gloves seem to have there in the preseason and just in the at the start of the season, as well as the defense that he's going up against. So that will be my bold prediction is you can plug Jerry Judy in and expect some good production straight away. The main event. Fight. This is going to be really, really good stuff because... As I've mentioned at the start, um, Peter is the sultan of spreadsheets. He is the the man with the plan when it comes to analytics. And kindly enough, he has ex- he said he would explain it to me like I'm five years old. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight year old? Um, which is exactly what we need. Um, that's part of the the. the the reason that I wanted to start the podcast was to get different people. Some people like Peter with an analytics background and mindset, other people with more of a film and kind of watching the film kind of mindset and pick people's brains. So if you don't mind, Peter, would you mind just even running through sort of a basic understanding of like, what is analytics when it comes to understanding dynasty fantasy football and how it correlates to scouting and deciding who to trade for things like that. If you don't mind, just kind of give me your take on it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, um, I definitely didn't say I was going to explain it to you like you're five. I do need to have things explained to me like I'm five. Um, I think I'm a little... Everyone likes to think they're a little odd, a little bit contrarian. But um, the way I think I'm a little bit different is that I, I'm not a statistician. I'm not an analyst. I'm certainly not an analytics person. But I'm also a moron who wants to make less bad decisions. And so basically, the I can tell you how I use numbers and analytics and how I think that's different than a lot of, you know, actual smart people would do it. Um, I just want to not make simple mistakes. Like, go back to the start of my fantasy career, and I remember asking for lineup advice from the guy who had invited me to the league, and he'd been playing for a while. And I was like, could you just look over my lineup and see if there's anything too stupid there, because I don't know what these points mean, and I don't know who these people are. And he was like, you've got to take that tight end out of out of the lineup and put, um, who is it? It was a freaking Hall of Famer, um, Gonzalez in. And I was like, why? He's projected to score low. 
yeah, and he's projected to score a lot lower. And he's like, yeah, but that's a Hall of Fame tight end. And I honestly think that's a moment where I was like, not having a history, just a basic history understanding of who anyone is or what anything is, um, was not gonna. It was not gonna work out well for me because was like, you know, that's just a player you don't expect not to start just because of a projection. And that didn't make sense to me as an outsider. And I was like, I just don't want to make stupid decisions like that. I want to know who is startable, even though bad matchup or whatever. And so I started collecting numbers and using and learning about statistics a little bit just to know what happens most often. Not what's going to happen, but what happens most often. So I really like Jamar Chase this year. I literally said in our podcast, like if there's one rookie what you should do with your rookie dress is do everything you can to get Car- to get um, Jamar Chase. I nearly said Carl Pitts there because I've been talking to John Bosch too much this week. But um, <laughs> yeah, Jamar Chase. I-, I managed to accomplish that in literally zero leagues, and that goes back to how I was right. But my le- my team suck. And the reason for that was just I know the historical bust rate of most of the positions now. I know how often we've been excited about players and they don't work out. And we can make individual excuses for most of them actually but there are some difference makers that just stand out to you like even though there's a risk here this is the risk you go and take if that makes any sense to anyone else in my head it makes perfect sense (laughs) because that's how i use analytics i don't think it's going to predict the future or going to tell me exactly what's going to happen i just look at say the los angeles rams and i notice that one of those two wide receivers is very much the volume guy and so if matthew stafford's going to improve the team cooper cup is the inside guy to get more volume which is more likely to produce more points because that's the way volume works and therefore he's the wide receiver who's being underdrafted right now that i think i really want to target not because it's telling me cooper cup's gonna get a 30 percent target share and two touchdowns a game just because when you look at players, you can see who's consistently or more often than not had higher volume. And that's the player who's more likely to get more volume and therefore juice more PPR points, especially in an improved situation. So I don't use numbers or analytics to like predict Cooper. Well, I do try and do projections, but that's all part of the process of understanding, I think, how these things fit together. And then I layer on just a basic understanding as much as I can of what's what is the real world actually um so yeah that's how i use analytics <laughs> i don't think um i'm the best person to like teach um like how to predict the future although i can uh, i do have a projection model i've created various ones and i can i can teach you the basics of how to build the model but i'm not going to spit out a statistic or a metric that's literally going to solve the nfl who's better who's worse but i do know from just having used my peepers and gone back uh, and looked at the history, that there are some things that are worth believing and some things that basically seem to be random in terms of predicting the future. And volume is one of those things that predicts the future more well enough that we should be- we should believe in it. And so if you've got two players, like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and one of them's shown a consistent consistently to be the guy who gets more volume that's that's what that tells me that's the guy who to really target in that wide receiver core i think i had a better way of explaining this and then i got thrown off by my complete inability to answer the last question by the way 
And I think at this point, I'm just waffling. So feel free to cut in. That's the summary of the way I use analytics. No, I think I think it's really fascinating because it sounds like, you know, what you're saying to me is sort of using these the historical data and the analytics to kind of not tell yourself this is exactly what's going to happen because there's the human element and it's hard to you can't predict that but to give yourself an idea of like historically speaking this is what's more likely to happen and therefore you're using that to kind of like um what's the word maybe like inform the bets that you're taking on the players or the situations I think that's exactly it. I think that's why when the smart guys roll out and start talking about how the NFL is a small sample size, I mean, that's kind of what they're talking about. The NFL is particularly difficult to build a number or a metric or a model that's going to hit, if you will, more often than ADP or more often than common sense, because we just don't get enough examples of something to really know what's going to happen. And so it's always going to come down, or at least right now, it comes down to this level where you ha- you should understand the history of it. Like this player has done this, this, and this. And players who do this, this, and this normally do Y in year four or whatever. But on the other hand, there are some things like vacated targets where if you go back and look at the history of it, it's like it's random. Like you can have X amount of vacated targets and the team just passes for 400 times more. So where, where do those targets come from, man? Or they pass for 400 times less, and it's pretty much a 50-50 bet which way they go, which means it's not that it doesn't matter. We're, 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 because they're good clickbait and they're fun things to shout, we say things like running backs don't matter and vacated targets are fictional. Um, or BMI. BMI is a big one for me in rookie evaluation. One of your questions here is how to scout. And I use the exact same process. Like It makes perfect sense to me that being bigger, taller, faster, and stronger makes you better in the NFL. Like those, those boys be big and they be strong and being bigger, taller, that makes perfect sense to me. It is logical and it definitely matters. But if you just go back and look at the history of it and then count, like literally like a moron I am, the number of players who fit these three descriptors, and then you find out that it didn't help tell you really if you if you're looking at it and pretending you don't have foreknowledge of how it actually worked out, if you were just looking at those things, BMI, height, weight, 40 time, then you really had no way of knowing that it was um, Devontae Smith or Robbie Anderson from his undrafted free agent class, like, because it just doesn't help. Yes, it matters. It clear, This is the real world, and I'm sure being six foot two and running like a three second 40 time or whatever definitely has an effect. But if you don't know what's going to happen, um, then it wouldn't have helped you make better decisions in the past. It just feels like it does because of the NFL mostly drafts big, fast, tall, strong guys in the first round. And so they have a better edge for opportunity and so on and so forth. So and I think that's how it folds into. I don't not using analytics to tell me what's going to happen, but I just look for what things make perfect logical sense but if we just if we had used that in the past, it actually wouldn't have helped us accurately predict what was going to happen. It doesn't mean I think Terrence Marshall is a good example this year. Like he fits big, tall, fast, and so does Michael Pittman. Actually, who's actually doing well. I don't say that I do actually say they're not going to do well because I want to own the take. But what I'm essentially doing is a lot of their predicted success is based on these things which don't seem to have um, causation. They don't cause them being good, if you know what I mean. 
because there are, there's Robbie Anderson, there's Devonte Smith, there's plenty of guys that were either drafted in the same draft stratosphere or undrafted that did well, presumably a different role, without those factors that mean that those factors are not causing their success. It's how good they are. So Michael Pittman's doing what he is in the NFL right now, not because of his height, weight, and 40 time, but because he himself is able to use his height, weight, and 40 time in a way that succeeds, whereas Laquan Treadwell was not. And therefore, if you know what I mean. So just by looking at the history of it, using the analytics, if you will, I was able to dismiss the idea for myself. And someone's going to probably find out how it matters, and then it will matter again. But um, as terms of just looking at those numbers, it doesn't help you accurately guess which player is going to be good. And therefore, I don't have to know they're going to be good or bad. I just have to be more shy about it. Like if everyone loves Terrence Marshall, and this this offseason, his ADP was actually kind of fair. He was like the end of the first round, and given his draft capital, that was a decent bet. That's fine. But increasingly, especially when he started having pretty decent target share to start the season off with, and people were more likely to want more for him in value. And just being a little shy on it, because some of it's resting on factors that I don't think cause success, and you're able to get it more right. I I actually think that's why analytics is better at scouting than it is week-to-week projection or week-to-week decision-making, because you can just be a little bearish on the things that actually don't seem to have causation or don't actually seem to turn out to be true more often, whereas being bullish is all all about just believing a narrative and going all in, and you just get it right. And I think that's why a lot of people who are just deeply knowledgeable about the NFL and those players can just kind of use their human brain computer to spit out an answer that's better than a model does. I think I'm just talking yeah. nonsense at this point, but this no, no, it makes a lot of sense. I I really like it because one of the things that I always struggle to sort of maybe quantify or explain to people, but it's something that I am very aware of and something I try and take into consideration in my own personal, like you know, when I'm drafting and when I'm trading and stuff, is it's those intangibles, like like you were probably alluding to, you know, things like a coaching staff or um, a system that they're fitting into or the player's right. work ethic, things that you can't just say, oh, well, you can clearly see if you put on the tape or, <laughs> oh, you can clearly see from his from his BMI. You can't see, you know, what his work ethic's like. You can't see what his attitude is like. And, you know, you can't tell what his coach thinks of him, you know, a la Brandon Ayuk this year. Um, you know, and so it, to me, those things are fascinating. And so I really think that what people you know like yourself and so many of the other analytics community bring to the table is really important and that's why for me i've always been i'm not probably smart enough to be an analytics person but um i really value what you and these others bring to the table and i try and understand it because i'm you know i would be more like watching and kind of looking at like certain skills and seeing things more so and basic understanding of that sort of stuff so it's it's very it's very interesting because i think that some people really miss out because they get so locked into analytics or so locked into film and then they kind of discount the other or disprove or try to disprove the other. And I feel like both are super important. Um, And one thing I would ask is, you know, especially for, you know, maybe people who haven't really delved into it or don't know much about it. Are there a couple of small steps or key metrics or things that have pertaining to the analytics that they can start dipping their toe in or getting used to or familiarizing themselves with that might help make them a better dynasty manager in your opinion yeah um i could probably come up with a list of things that you should pay attention to but i think i would advise especially if you're going to get anything out of it let me just say that 
this is how I got into it. I had a question and I wanted to know the answer from it. And so I ended up in analytics, not because it, or the analytics side instead of the film side, because if you want to go look at the past, like uh, the idea of trying to find all games and watch them was a little more tiresome to me than the idea of finding the right spreadsheet with that past information on it. And then I could just look. Um, And so I had a question like, how often does a wide receiver, and we get these questions all the time. How often does a wide receiver draft in the first round um, do well for fantasy? And so the first thing you have to ask yourself is what does do well for fantasy mean? So I started defining it pretty simply and I still use the same boundaries now. How many top 12 seasons did they have? How many top 24? Or you could define it as Rotovis tends to do, as beyond the certain points per game threshold. I mean, you get to answer those questions for yourself, however you want. And then you go back and look. Like, f- figure out what your question is. Like, right now, Brandon Ayuk just mentioned him. How often does a guy who goes off for 15 points per game in his rookie season have a down season in his second year, because he's going to, and then come back? That's not something that predicts Brandon Ayuk because he's an individual and this is a real world. But you could get an idea of, oh, they normally bounce back. Actually, if, like that's fine. Or you could find out that happens all the time. Like uh, wide, Rookie wide receivers have 15 points per game starting seasons and then never happen again. And that doesn't tell you what's going to happen with Brandon Ayuk, but it does tell you which way you might want to lean. Brandon Ayuk is more likely to fail. He's more likely to succeed moving forward. The actual answer to that is the rookie season is really important. Having a good rookie season probably means that Brandon Ayuk is very good, or at least good enough in the NFL when he gets opportunity. Like, I think that the hate on Brandon Ayuk, like you mentioned it, um, it's the coach's fault. It's not the coach's fault. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that, that to me seems like doubling down on misreading the situation. Because, again, talk like I, I, saw, I thought this would happen. I'm really surprised how well – it happened, don't get me wrong. But if you looked at Debo Samuels, every time he was in the lineup, he got the volume and did slightly better, not much, but like on a yards per team attempt basis, he was doing slightly more than IU. So it actually makes like really good coaching sense that if you have Debo Samuels, you put him in that role because you get just a little bit more, even though Brandon Ayuk was very good. That's the role they have got Samuels in. And because this is a unique situation where I've had this coach on this team with multiple players coming in and out of the lineup, including uh, Debo Samuels, we could actually look. And it turned out that every time Samuels is in the lineup, he got the volume. Every time he wasn't, Brandon Ayuk got moved closer to the line of scrimmage in Debo Samuels' role. And George Kittle was George Kittle. Like this offense runs through that role. And if Debo Samuels was there... I keep saying his name weird, Debo Samuel. I put an extra S on the end of it. <laughs> then odds are he's going to get that volume because that's 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 his job in the offense. If I was right about that, and that's why this is going on, and since predicting the future is the measure of whether something was accurate or not, I think that's what's going on. Then it's not Kyle Shanahan not liking Ayuk, and it's not Brandon Ayuk not being good. It's that that's the offense, you know? And they've got someone in the volume role that does incredibly well with that volume role. Brandon Ayuk is just kind of a very good player confirmed based on his rookie season. Um, when he did get volume and earned that volume with that Samuels in the offense um, and fantasy just isn't paying off. That doesn't necessarily mean he's even doing bad 
for his team necessarily, given that I don't watch much. I don't know how he's looking on the field, to be fair. And so my, there's a very long way of saying, I think we know Brandon Ayuk can do good things in the NFL. And since it's such a high competition threshold, that's, that's more than enough to tick that he's good box. You can't untick that box, if you know what I mean. So I think he's a pretty decent bet at his current value. And that he'll find a way to earn opportunity, even in a, a different role, or if Debo Samuel's gets injured again, and and then that would pay off, if you know what I mean. So I don't know if this is doing anything for you, but um, yeah, it's just using the information we have to say what happens most often from here on out. Could he beat that trend? Yeah, but it just as a moron who doesn't know the future, it just tells me which way to lean, if you know what I mean. And if you yeah. just love that player, lean the opposite, but know you're making a riskier yeah. bet. And that's fine. You can make all the risky bets you like. <laughs> I tell you what, an- another one is third-year breakouts. That used to be all the rage. Like, third-year, players are going to break out. Um, and players break out a lot at wi- at the wide receiver position in the third year. If you're running back and haven't broken out by any definition by your third year, you better be Derrick Henry. Because, like, there's a few that do it, but it's fairly rare. Um, but Deontay Johnson, <laughs> uh, Terry McCall, and Debo Samuels and Marcus Brown were the three third-year breakouts who had decent success up to this point um, that could break out into the top 12. And I wrote them all up for that reason. And just that reason. I don't know Marcus Brown is going to do what he's doing or Deontay Johnson was going to have all the targets. I don't know that. But... Third-year yeah. breakouts do happen. Second-year breakouts were kind of less uh, possible because most of them broke out year one. So there was just there weren't many year two players laying around who <laughs> hadn't left, broken out. Many left to break out. <laughs> so that left me talking about third-year breakouts. So like it didn't tell me how good Deontay Johnson is, but I could look at who typically breaks out in their third year, which is players who had done certain things. Um, and where they broke out to, and that created a list of four players, and all but Terry McLaurin are hitting. I, that's the way I use analytics. It's just to put me in the right bucket. So there are, I'm, I'm just shooting at a smaller barrel with more fish in it instead of the other way around. <laughs> Another thing that I really like about it um, that you haven't even really spelled out, but is really stood out to me, is that what I love about it is, is that the game that we love and the game that we play, it's like there's room for everybody. You know what I mean? Oh, there's yeah. room for the guys that yeah. played and understood football. There's room for the the guys and gals um, that have never watched a game of football and just like the game and they like the the trading aspect or they like the drafting or, you know, they just like the banter and the camaraderie of it. So there's, there's room for everybody and there's lots of different ways to attack it. And, um, and you definitely have a really good uh, track record with your scouting and the way that you break down the rookies and stuff. I always find that really fascinating. I could, just, I, could I could talk about this all night, but then we'd be here till three in the morning and then I would have to get a divorce and it would just be sad. Right, 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 right. Let's make a deal. It's almost impossible to be a real contender and especially to stay a contender if you're not trading, actively trying to trade and make your team better regularly. So we always talk about a trade that we've done recently and try and break down the thought process behind it, what the intentions were and what you were trying to accomplish and then get the other person's sort of perspective on it. So I'll go first. Um, my team... <clears throat> my trade was in a 12 team super flex league and it's a it's one of those trades i don't know if you've ever done this but it's like it like it cascaded it started out it started out as like this this 
big enough trade, but then it kept going and adding more pieces and more players. And it was back and forth and it took days and it was like exhausting. And by the end of it, I was just like, I'm so glad we finally got some deal done because I couldn't have gone back at this stage. It was too much time and investment. <laughs> so I ended up giving away um, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Hopkins, my 22 first, which I'm a contender. I was in the championship game last year this um, in this league and lost. So I'm hoping to get back to the, at least the playoffs, if not the championship game. So my uh, first and a 2023 fourth. Um, and I got back Justin Jefferson, T Higgins, Dallas Goddard, Miles Gaskin, and a 22 second. So the 22 second is from somebody who's pretty low in the league. So the first second swap looks like it's really only moving back a couple of spaces. Really, you know, it could be three or four spaces in the draft. It's not like a big, massive jump down. Again, just to recap, I know that's a lot to take in. Trades like that are pretty massive. I gave away Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Hopkins, 22 first, and a 23 fourth. Got back Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Dallas Goddard, Miles Gaskin, and a 22 second. So my thought process is I love Justin Jefferson. And I um I really wanted to share. I had no Fair. shares of Justin Jefferson. I um I also, uh, this season has really tried to create a zero RB truther out of me because I've just been terrified about all the RBs that have been going down to injury and just, it just <laughs> absolutely just strikes terror in my heart. Um, and with DeAndre Hopkins, I think he's awesome. He's obviously one of the best wide receivers we've seen in a long time. I still think he's a stud, but I do feel like he's at that stage in his career where it's a slow start of a decline. And I wanted to get out while there was still a high um, return on him. And um, yeah, so I, I love T Higgins. I feel like it was a buy low opportunity for T Higgins personally. And this was before obviously he got 15 targets at the weekend there, which is great. Um, Justin Jefferson for me personally, in my dynasty rankings is the wide receiver one. Um, but you know, even if, you know, it's not one. It's probably a top five for most people. And I needed a tight end in this league. I have Kittle, who's been on IR, who's been killing me. And I had no other real solid tight end. So Dallas Goddard with the Ertz news, that was helpful. And Miles Gaskin, I turned around and immediately packaged with someone else and flipped him on for Jerry Judy. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on the trade? I mean, I know it's a lot there, but do you have any takeaways or do you feel like I got screwed over? Or do you feel like it was a good deal? You've got all the wide receivers, huh? Jefferson, Higgins, and Judy. So overall, I think this trade looks balanced. It just looks like one team is trying to contend this year and one team is more looking to next year. I, I think it looks fairly balanced. And the other things I'll try and employ is just look for certain things I've learned as I've tried to get better at trading. And one of them is don't let running back get in the way of an elite asset, like any running back. And that's a John Bosch role. And I like listening to John Bosch on trades, even though he frustrates the crap out of me sometimes. He's very sharp on it. And I think Justin Jefferson's an elite asset at the wide receiver position. And while Jonathan Taylor is an elite asset at the running back position, I'm not scared to trade away running backs for wide receivers if I really think they're in that category. Because long-term, short-term, that wide receiver is just safer and has the ceiling. Like Justin Jefferson can produce a 20 points per game season like Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor has a higher injury risk. So I'm fine with it. Probably prefer your side if asked inside or outside of vacuum because i think justin jefferson's the best asset in the deal definitely and what was um did you have a trade that you've done recently that you wanted to break down yeah like i said i've been trying to get better so i actually uh, i pulled up one leagues um yeah and you said one trade but i don't know whether they give you the one i think i definitely overpaid on or um the one one of the two that i think i got right i think i'm gonna go the one that's a little more suspect just because it's more interesting to talk about <laughs> So I gave up Elijah Moore, who I obviously love. I drafted him, uh, drafted him high. Uh, I'm trying to win in this league, 
And, and so I was like, who can I trade him away to, to a team that's maybe not as competitive this year? So I packaged him up with Logan Thomas, and I got Noah Fant back. And that, to me, seems like an overpay, but it's I can justify it any way you want. My basic idea is Noah Fant scoring fantasy points right now. Logan Thomas is injured for a while. Elijah Moore isn't going to start for me this year. So I'm giving away future value for points now. And at the end of the day, I think Noah Fant's a really good tight end who's going to be around next year. So there's a decent floor for giving the upside of Elijah Moore away. Um, but yeah, that's a trade. Elijah Moore and Logan Thomas currently on IR for Noah Fant. What do you think? Yeah. No, I mean, I like it. Like you said, I think that it's something that I was talking to Michael Bauer about last week and he was saying, you know, in the off season you're playing dynasty, but in season you're almost playing like redraft because, you know, you've got to know at times when you are close to winning or you have a chance to win. And sometimes you have to make those deals where you may be giving up a little bit of future value, but you want to win now because ultimately the goal is to win. The goal is to win championships. So no, absolutely. I, uh, I like it. I think it was a good trade and, you know, definitely, you know, Fant is a much better tight end than than Logan Thomas probably, especially long term. And then I, I love Elijah Moore, so it's hard for me to <laughs> to give up on him. But I, yeah. I understand completely where you're coming from. Trades are awful, man. Getting <laughs> getting better on them <laughs> sucks. I don't like doing them. But um, I was talking with Zach. Really, yeah, like I love episode. trades. Yeah, like I think. I like it, but I hate that's my it. <laughs> um, that's like my favorite part of Dynasty is the is the trading. I probably trade too much because I'm like I'll be like yeah no I could flip this and then oh I could change that and then it's like no no I got I got to focus on my actual roster here. Let me just <laughs> let me focus on the actual roster and not get excited about you know flipping in front of something else. Word of the week. Because you're from England originally, I'm wondering if you're going to catch out on this because um, what I do normally at this bit is I'll have like a little word of Northern Irish slang and usually Americans have no idea what I'm talking about. So I'll get you to try and use the word oh, in God. a sentence and see if you can guess it, okay? I'll try. So this word is slabbering. So have you heard the word slabbering before? I don't think I have, no. Um, okay. It sounds to me like talking gibberish. Not the word, like you were saying, if someone's just talking on and on. Like me, you could say, that guy's slabbering. But I doubt that's right. <laughs> that is actually really close, actually, to oh. be fair. So slabbering, slabbering is like, is like talking crap. So like if I was oh, okay. like, oh, Peter, Peter sucks. He's so stupid. He doesn't know what he's talking <laughs> about. Then you'd be like, oh, Evan, Evan's just slabbering. He's just like slabbering about Peter. Oh, um, right, right, so right, it is right. actually, you were really close. It's not talking gibberish, but it is talking crap about somebody or, you know, like, so you could say I was slabbering about Sam Darnold at the start of the podcast, you know, just like, <laughs> so last, I just wanted to, to wrap up here. I wanted to say, obviously, thank you so much for coming on the pod. And again, as you guys have probably picked up, um, Peter is a bit of a uh, a genius, a savant um, when it comes oh, yeah. to yeah, analytics yeah. and and fantasy football. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely look up his his writings at DLF. Check him out on Twitter at PA Howdy, and definitely subscribe and and check out the Dino Cross Dynasty Crossroads Dino Crossroads on Twitter. It's a really interesting podcast. He has a lot of um, just interesting uh, takes on things and ways that he thinks about uh, scouting and trading and and values and things like that. So is there any Anything you wanted to shout out or plug or anything like that before we go here? Yeah, I'm not smart. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> Savant might work, uh, apart from the fact I'm not, 
like that normally requires some sort of high level output, but you can just be an ordinary person who is for some reason good at a certain thing. But I don't think that even counts. I like playing fantasy football, talking about it and spend way too much time doing research. And I put that research out there so you all can answer your own questions. Um, if you want to talk about fantasy football, you can find me on Twitter anytime at PA Howdy. Um, on all my data is pinned to my timeline. That's that's about the only thing I plug. It's free. You can go and see all the 2020 data from target share to bad throws and pacer or whatever it is you want to investigate. Um, um, yeah, check out this podcast. It would be the other thing that I would plug. <laughs> good. No, I'm um, really appreciate you having me on. Man, it's great to get to meet you. My my. Uh, proverbial opposite here over there in Northern Ireland. I really yeah. appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Really appreciate it. Hopefully have you back on again soon if you've got the time. Anytime. And um, yeah, appreciate it. And hopefully all you guys get some big dubs this week and don't be slabbering about your league mates. <laughs> Wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven I forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those Arby's You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those Arby's on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate <laughs>